in the morning. On December 15th, 1995, Stephen Avcast and Locus Wheeler, the hosts of a cable show called Factor Fiction, went into the Pine Barrens of New Jersey. Aided by Rain Clacken and Jim Seward, they were going to do the first live broadcast in search of the legendary Jersey Devil. Only Seward came out alive. It took the police two days to find the bodies. It took the coroner four days to put them back together. It took the jury one and a half hours to sentence Seward to life in prison. One year later, filmmaker David Lee decided to make a movie about it. Using the footage shot by the four, he discovered the truth about what really happened that night in the woods. A truth more horrifying than ever imagined. I'm Corey. And I'm Paul. And we are the, the B-Movie B-Movie Bros. Bros. Here are B-Movies to the best of our ability. Sometimes we get off topic, but randomness is a gift. So, here we are. It is now August, and we decided just to look around, see what we could find, you know, some good old-fashioned found footage films. Oh, yeah, because who doesn't love a good found footage film? And what better to start with than the, uh, than the grandfather, the father of the modern found footage film, the last broadcast from 1998. I bet people thought we were going to talk about the Blair Witch Project. No, this, uh, this beat it out by almost a whole year. You know, so... The more you know. You know, you heard what the back of the DVD case had to say. Let's dive right into the shit with our technical difficulties, top and bottom three. Um, Let's start with the bottom this time. I just just want to get the bad stuff out of the way. Too much negativity today for me. Yeah, why don't you start with that one? Um, Number three. I've always heard of this film being a quote-unquote found footage film, but it's more, much, much more a fake documentary, also known as a mockumentary. Number two. It takes 35 minutes to get to the actual found footage portion of the film, which at that, it's kind of like interspersed throughout the film from that point forward. Yeah, there's never really a found footage portion. It's just like, hey, look, we found some footage and we're also going to talk over it. Hey, this kind of happened at one point, but uh, let's talk about this stuff that we already talked about. And then number one, uh, kind of a spoiler alert, I guess. In the last few minutes of the film, it changes from its mockumentary style to just being a regular old movie, which doesn't fit in with the rest of the film. Like, all of a sudden you go from, like, the first-person camera perspective and the narrating and everything to just, you know, the person making the documentary doing stuff. Yeah, and since the um, the third-person perspective was filmed in the same quality as the, the, the first-person found footage kind of stuff, it just made that look all the worse, too. Um, so that's it for my bottom three. What about uh, you? Number three, like you said, most of this movie is a documentary rather than a found footage film, which isn't necessarily bad. I mean, it told a complete story until the end, but it really wasn't what I was expecting. Like you'd said before, we were told it was a found footage film, but I really wouldn't classify it as such. It was more a, um, a mockumentary of a fake murder. Number two, there's kind of a twist ending sort of where you're not sure if the guy who made the film was the one who killed those guys. I, I kind of think he was because he, you know, spoiler alert, kills some woman that was involved in the um, documentary. Also, he's really sure that the guy who was found guilty of the murders was innocent, but doesn't really prove it throughout the documentary he made, which yeah, really kind yeah, of his, bugged the crap out of me. His whole proof is that... 
According to the police, these guys were killed at 2.30 in the morning. But on the tape, they clearly say it's 2.45 in the morning. And they haven't been killed yet. So that immediately proves that the other guy is innocent. Yeah, I couldn't tell if, like, he was, um... Really, what he was trying to do was he just... Was he just incompetent in making a documentary? Or was he, you know, kind of admitting that he didn't really have a case and that he was the murderer? I, I'm not really sure what happened. And the guy, um, Jim Seward, I think his name was, the one who was uh, accused of being the, mo- yeah, uh, the murderer. Yeah, that, that's him. Yeah, he... I, I don't know, I mean... Boy, the way he was showing to me, I, I believe he was the killer. I, I didn't see any reason not to think it. All right, number one, the movie would randomly change perspective at the time, which made it really difficult to tell what was going on at times. Like, at, sometimes it was a documentary. At other times, it was a first-person found footage film, which really didn't show much at all. And then at the end, like Corey said, it was a third-person um, m- murder film, and it just kind of fell apart. Like they had a lot of ambition. They wanted to do a lot of things with this, take some um, new um, creative liberties. But I think that they needed a more clear kind of vision before like finishing the film. I I don't know. Having now become like a veteran of watching the Netflix documentary series is I didn't find it that hard to really like follow between you know, that, that change from documentary to, like, footage of st- other stuff happening. Well, that, that part wasn't hard to follow. It's just, like, he's saying, like, oh, yeah, this is a proof. This is a new stuff and everything. I'm like, but wait, you didn't really show anything. You just randomly cut to another documentary and or somebody you were talking to about it and just kind of forgot what you were trying to show. And that, that, that kind of bugged the crap out of me. I mean, that that happens a lot in those Netflix documentaries, so maybe that's why it doesn't bother me anymore. Yeah, that probably says more about those, then. <laughs> um, oh, I guess uh, on, to, on to the top three, then. Uh, number three, uh, the documentary portions of the film are actually done very well and seem like the documentaries you would have seen on TV uh, during that era, the late 90s. They're, it's really reminiscent of, like, uh, what's it, uh, Forensic Files to me. Yeah, it it came off as like kind of genuine. Like it seemed like it was an actual attempt to like talk about a murder that happened, and I thought that was really well done. Uh, number two, the found footage seems very genuine in how the actors interact with each other and the actions that they take um, during that footage portion. You know, I, I didn't see anything that was like, oh, these are just you know shitty actors, you know, just trying to you know do something. No, they actually seemed, like, pretty natural, pretty genuine, and, you know, like, things were going on. It's just too bad they just kind of kept showing the same footage over and over. Yeah. But, number one, um, at least to me, everything throughout the film is presented in a very intriguing manner until the end. You know, just the questions that he asks, the footage that they show, even though they do show the same footage a lot, um, it just presented in a manner that just kind of keeps you interested and keeps it like at a height, um, like not at the edge of your sh- seat, but just kind of like wondering well, what's coming next. What are you going to tell me next? You know, how are you going to prove this or disprove it? And just that like general wonderment of where is this going? 
So number three, this movie came out in 1998, which was a year before the Blair Witch Project, as we mentioned earlier. So a lot of the cliches that you normally see in uh, found footage films, you know, the shaky camera, the random like cutting out of the um, of of the uh, screen, the um, static, and all that were really new at that time. So it's kind of fun watching it, like seeing that, like it really wasn't ripping anything off. Like a lot of found footage films are, it was more genuine and like it had an actual like vision that it was trying to show. That was, that was kind of unique for the time. Well, and also, I mean, being made on, you know, around $900 as opposed to the Blair Witch and a lot of those other movies having thousands and sometimes tens of thousands of dollars to work with. Oh, yeah. This one, like... This one actually had a reason for looking like that. Yeah, this was a genuine, like, B-movie, like, low-budget film. Like, it was... For what they did, it was really well done, I thought. Number two, I actually thought the plot of it was pretty good. You know, the documentary about trying to uncover the truth of these murders of the, um, from these guys who were, were trying to f- discover, or trying to uncover the truth about the Jersey Devil. I, I liked the way it was filmed. I thought that at least until the end, they, the guy was trying to show the events in a fair way. I mean, he obviously had his biases, but he was trying to show like everything going on. Some of the people he was, he were interviewing, like agreed with the um, verdict. Others didn't. And, I just overall thought it was portrayed in a in a very interesting way. And even at one point, I mean, he says, this is where I went from, you know, being unbiased to actually believing that he was innocent and trying to prove that. Like, I, I like that it actually takes that approach. It's like, you know, I was trying to be unbiased, but you know what? I am biased, and I'm going to show you that bias now. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, definitely seem, there's definitely a, um, a feeling of genuineness with that. And number one, so this movie, the events take place in 1995, and this is at the infancy of the internet. So they made really good use of like the te- the technology at the time, like broadcasting, um, um, texting chat, and things like that. Things we take for granted nowadays. Live streaming being a big deal. Yeah, and like. It was it was well done, you know. I remember back in the days of like dial up internet, you know, the poorly designed website, putting uh, in your AOL keyword, yeah, all that shit, like getting um the the discs in the mail for like AOL and ninety free hours. Oh yeah, so having grown up in the in the nineties and the early two thousands, I was definitely able to, able to appreciate to appreciate a lot of the technology i'm very nostalgic in a lot of ways and you know even though my cell phone it has more um more capabilities than any technology throughout this film i there was definitely a charm to it that i um i definitely had to appreciate so you know something that we didn't mention was uh the dialogue which actually a lot of it is very contextual um, but we did manage to pick out some gems to have ourselves a good old-fashioned quote war. Quote war. We'll quote this one back and forth. You tell us who had the better quotes. Paul, why don't you get us started? All right. We have found bodies. The victims were children of the digital age. I don't know what they were looking for. All they were getting was bad television. Ghosts caught on video. It was badly shot, but at least it was shot in the woods. Psychics are us? I've been contacting the spirit world for the last week. It has become an indictment of truth and how it is viewed through the lens of the media. The truth is what time has made of this event. 
That ends this episode's edition of Quote Wars. If you have a favorite quote from this film or would like to say who won this episode's edition of Quote Wars, leave it in the comments below or anything about the f- else about the film in general. I think it's time we give this film our final take. Remember, friends, our final take is a score on our shot scale. Our shot scales are a reverse scale, 1 to 10, 1 being the best, 10 being the worst. How many shots do you need to get through this film? I gave it a 3 out of 10. I gave it a 4 out of 10. So, the last broadcast, a film made for about $900 is actually a very intriguing mockumentary. With a good story development, interesting characters to a point, it tells you what you need to make up your mind to the question at hand. Then promptly destroys that question and ruins the whole persona of the movie in its final movements. Definitely a must-see for fans of the found footage genre, even if the found footage is far in between. Uh, you know, it set a standard which was immediately challenged a year later by the Blair Witch Project. But to me, this kind of holds the, the, the place of the granddaddy of the modern found footage film. The last broadcast is a kind of proto-found footage film, preceding even the Blur Witch Project. This movie helped inspire an entire genre of horror that is still somewhat popular nowadays. In an attempt to uncover the truth behind a mysterious set of murders, journalist David Lee goes through the recent, recently uncovered footage from The Tragic Night and chronicles the events leading to the massacre. The film takes full advantage of the internet and other technology at the time, which was still in its infancy, in order to create a realistic style that was unique for the mid-90s. Common cliches such as shaky camera movements, static, and poor audio and visual quality, as well as jump scares, were established in this movie and helped set the bar that other films, uh, films in this genre would follow. It plays more in the style of a documentary with some found footage elements interspersed throughout it and then at the very end. Unfortunately, the continuously changing style and perspective of the film makes it difficult to follow at times. The excessive number of interviews and the constant replays of the same footage came off as really repetitive. And there was a twist ending that I really don't think worked for the story. It came off as more they didn't know how to end it and just decided to have a twist for, you know, the hell of it. Regardless of its flaws, though, the last broadcast is a tragically overlooked experiment in filmmaking that should be appreciated in its own right for both its quality and originality. The twist that inspired M. Night Shyamalan. Bum, bum, bum. The twist is it doesn't completely suck. Well, and the thing is, I mean, that twist ending... If they would have just shot it in the style of the documentary, if he would have dropped his camera and the camera would have just so happened to drop at an angle to film what was going on, like, there's no reason to have switched to that third-person perspective. Like, it so could have worked out, and I think it would have added so much, you know, more mystique to the movie, you know, to have that, you know, done in that style. Definitely. There's also the fact that, like, the murders were supposed to take place or like while these this group of guys were trying to find the Jersey Devil, which, you know, a lot most people like at least nowadays know of the Jersey Devil. I mean, I remember playing the PlayStation game, the Jersey Devil, and the film had really nothing to do with it. They don't even go into talking about it. It was more about, you know, the murder trial that the journalist was sure was was a mistrial and the guy was actually innocent but you know at that point you just 
take any kind of monster. Why, why, why go into the Jersey Devil? I don't know. It just seemed like if you're going to talk about a creature that everyone kind of knows about already, I don't know, at least have more references to it, at least go into what it is, and I don't know. It just seemed like a really missed opportunity. And now I just want to play Jersey Devil on PlayStation again. I mean, who doesn't want to play Jersey Devil on the PlayStation again? I, mean, I don't think I ever actually played the full game. I remember I, playing I had the, the demo, demo on, yeah. one of the, on one of the discs from yeah. like Toys R Us or Pizza Hut or something. Same here. It was like the first like two levels, and then I, I never found out what happened, but I, I enjoyed it. I, I had a good time with that. So I think it's time to tell our friends how to drink away this flick. Drink away this flick. Come on and grab your drink. Let's drink away this flick. Bum, 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 bum. We'll give you some drinking games for this film, but remember, friends, drink responsibly. Number one, every time there's a title card, take a drink. Number two, every time the word devil is used, take a drink. Number three, whenever Jim Seward sings, take three drinks. Number four, anytime a law enforcement officer is interviewed, take a drink. And number five, of course, because it's found footage month, anytime the screen gets all staticky, take a drink. Every time the corruption that took place during the um, murder trial is brought up, take a drink. Every time the show Fact or Fiction is mentioned, take a drink. Every time Jim gets mad and pushes somebody or just, you know, flips out randomly, take a drink. And every time someone is interviewed about the murders, take a drink. And those are your ways to drink away this flick. If you have any thoughts about this movie or anything else B-Movie-related, you can leave us a comment in either iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also email us at bmoviebros at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com dash bmoviebros. Follow us on Twitter at bmoviebros or my personal Twitter at bmoviepaul. You can also check out all our other content, including show reviews, interviews, and chats on our website bmoviebros.com, where we have new shows each week. If you want to support the show, consider donating to our PayPal or Patreon accounts. Links provided below. If you have a film that you've made that you'd like us to review, let us know and email us. However, we have a large amount of films that have been requested, so we're trying to get through them. But if you'd like it bumped up, um, go to our um, page on um, requesting films, and uh, for a small for a small uh, fee, you can um, bump it up to um, priority, and you'll also get an audio audio review as well as a written one. So, the end of uh, week one here for Found Footage Films uh, in August. And uh, the last broadcast is at number one. I mean, there's no one else to compare it to so far. It's, it's like being in 1998, where it's really the only found footage film to judge. Except maybe, like, kind of Cannibal Holocaust, which doesn't really count. But, I mean, lucky for us, when we were, uh, you know, exploring the Pine Barrens with the Factor Fiction crew from uh, the last broadcast, we came across another found footage film called Devil's Trail, still stuck in the Pine Barrens, a film by uh, Henrique Couto, who we actually met yeah. um, at uh, you know, the VHS Fest we went to a couple weeks ago. Bought it directly from the guy, too. More Pine Barrens, guys. Let's see what the Jersey Devil does this time. So, until then, be brave, be alive, and be back for more. Get on the next one. Oh, she's a little bit.